Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. In the world of radio, it's rare you ever see the face behind the voice. And unless you follow our social media pages, which you should, you'd never know very much about me or what I look like if I didn't tell you. Hi, I'm Rachel, a white woman with Italian, Irish, and Norwegian roots. My hair is brown. I'm average height. And lately I've been wearing my glasses a lot more, like I probably should be. I met my husband in college in Philadelphia. He's a Puerto Rican man with dark hair and a rich complexion. Our three boys are beautiful. They're what a casting director would call racially ambiguous because they can pass for both Hispanic and Caucasian, as well as several other nationalities. I had never been exposed to Puerto Rican culture or style or music or anything before meeting my husband. And for the last decade that we've been married, I've been absolutely immersed in it. It's vibrant, romantic, and flavorful, just like my heritage that I've embraced my entire life. And I can't wait to shower my kids in theirs and show them all the things that make them uniquely them. And that's the beauty of how God created us. We're each different, fearfully and wonderfully made, with a purpose that's specific to us. But sometimes it's difficult to recognize and appreciate our differences for what they are. Again, I'd never been exposed to a culture other than my own for decades, and I had no idea what I was missing. The reality is, we're all a lot more alike than you'd think. Today, I'm joined by Deacon Armando Torres, our Director for Cultural Identity and Outreach, to talk about all the different apostolates, as well as our new outreach programs to serve all the people of our diverse and vibrant diocese. Deacon Armando, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm really excited to have you here for the first time today. This is our first time getting to sit down and, and really kind of dive into some deep topics. So thank you for taking the time to spend with me today. No, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here <laughs> deep down inside. Um, but no, I, I appreciate the time. Hopefully get to share some of my thoughts and experiences and, and we'll go from there. Awesome. So for those who may not know you, because I know you're fairly new to the diocese, about a year or two years now? Yes, I came to the diocese in January 3rd, 2023. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'm new to the office here, the Director of Culture, Identity and Outreach. But I feel like I've been here like forever because I was with San Juan Bautista, one of the parishes here in the diocese, um, since involved since about 2012. So I was always had a hand in communication with the diocese. Mm -hmm. So even though I've been here a year, it's been quite a few years that I've been involved with, you know, with uh, different ministries, different activities, different events that have happened, you know, as a whole. Oh, that's awesome. So some of our listeners might recognize you from your other 
roles like at San Juan Batista and all the other parish involvement that you may have had. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Tell me a little bit more about about you. Okay, so Deacon Armando Torres and um, married thirty seven years going on thirty seven years this um, July. Uh, three children. Um, unfortunately, one lives out on the West Coast, so we missed him a lot. Um, six grandkids with another one on the way here in, in about four weeks. Three children, six grandkids. Um, Living in Lancaster, living in Lancaster all my life. I was born in New York, but raised in Lancaster, and um, was in the you know served in the military for for four years in the Air Force, and li- just lived in Lancaster. Came back to live in Lancaster my whole life. My wife calls it the five year plan. When I <laughs> when we when when my term was up, my enlistment was up, she wanted to move to San Diego, so I can't blame her. That's where her hometown is. And I said, well, we, let's move to Lancaster. I said, you know, we'll we'll start off there. She goes, well, maybe for five years. Well. It's been 30, you know, 30, <laughs> 30, you know, five years or so now. But um, it's it's gone great. You know, we just got involved with the church. We feel we've been at the right place. Um, my wife feels we, we've been at the right place. So together we do plenty, you know, at our, at our parish. And our kids went through Catholic schools. Um, our grandkids are in Catholic schools. So, you know, it's just important for us. And the community, Lancaster is like big enough but small yeah. as well. So it's gone very well. I love that. Talk to me a little bit more about your role within the diocese and, and how you kind of came to this type of ministry. You mentioned you were you have military experience. When did you become a deacon? When how did all that kind of pan out for you? Yeah, so you know that's that's like the what they call people call it the million dollar question because if you ask my wife, my wife goes, I don't know what happened to him. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> but church has always been important for us in our family. Um, granted, you know, it's a progress in, in formation and, and, and it evolves. Even as a deacon, I was ordained in two, 2020, but you have to understand it's always, it, it always evolves. Mm-hmm. It never, it's never stagnant. So looking back, you know, as a dad, you know, and um, growing in my faith and more committed to my faith, um, being present at mass, you know, making sure it was important for my kids to see that, that I was going. And it wasn't even thinking, I was never really thought, well, let me go so my kids see that it's important. It's just that as I grew into faith, the kids automatically sees it. So then you see the role of the dad, the role of the family. It was important for them to see that, that I was the initiator of of getting ready for mass, the initiator of being involved with the religious education. So it just, it just, it just grew, you know, formation. I call it, one of the things I got involved with our religious education, which was very, um, I think that was about 2003, about 2003, I got involved with the RCIA program at San Juan Bautista. And that was like a springboard. I think it was like my faith was growing and then there was a springboard. Mm-hmm. And then actually I was coming here to the Diocese Center for classes that Ryan Bolster from education used to have, whole, you know, the Diocese Institute. Um, we used to have that uh, here present here at the at the center and just to hear other stories and he, hear other people and their conversion whether conversion from another faith or 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 their just their their joy when they were talking about the faith and i'm sitting there thinking now i was born you know i was cradle catholic what we call it, right cradle catholic and i'm like i'm missing something because where where's that you know where's my little giddy up mm. you know and uh so I, anyway i just kept with these classes and learning more about the faith. And then I, I, I call my conversion from a cradle Catholic or just, you know, um, 
basic, you know, going to mass and going home, going to mass, going that to more active. So my conversion from, you know, basic Catholic to active Catholic. Catholic 2.0. Catholic 2.0. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. So that's my, um, yeah. So, so within that, within that growth and, um, in formation, because it's all formation and, and taking these classes and being involved with the parish and being involved with the uh, religious ed and with the RCIA and that whole process. And it's just, and work, because I was working at, at, uh, at Wild Bill's Foods. I was actually working at a meat company in production, you know, as a production manager and supervisor. But the people part is always the appealing part to me. It, it always was, even whether I was in, in the military, where I was, whether I was at, uh, as a supervisor, uh, as a production manager. The people parts withdraw is always what draws you in, and um, people kind of open up to you. You know, when you're a production manager at a company, people want more than to know what they're supposed to do. They want you to listen to them mm. in a variety of topics. It kind of surprises you, but the people do uh, want that relationship. So I call my midlife crisis. As talking to my pastor back at San Juan Bautista. The opening for religious set, director of religious set opened up. And, you know, we had a conversation. My pastor and I had a conversation. And, you know, I received the role as director of religious set. This was in about 2012, probably 2011, 2012. And it just kept growing. It was just like, that's where I needed to be. You know, got deep into it. My wife was a big part of that because, you know, without a team, we really couldn't do it. And, um, but we, we managed it and it just kept growing in 2015. Um, well, as a matter of fact, being director of religious ed at San Juan Bautista and then was the director of religious ed at St. Joseph's as well. So then I was director of religious ed for two parishes, very two parishes, one Hispanic, one with a German culture, deep, um, and both very supportive of, you know, of helping me in, in the ministry and serving the, the parishioners and serving the families and the students. 2015 to 2020, you know, the diaconate formation, you know, and it, it's just, a, it just a, it's evolves. You just, it's about keeping your heart open and then see where it takes you. Absolutely. I'm, I am also a cradle Catholic, but I, I had what I would call, I guess you would call it like a reversion because I kind yeah. of like walked away for several years and then, kind of slowly made my way back but like it's easy to say i trust in what god's plan is but like when you can't see the plan you're like all right so what's going on and it, like it's so funny that when you kind of fig when you step into when you allow yourself to be open to whatever possibilities could happen like all of a sudden you still like you look back in retrospect and you're like oh i see what he was doing there right like he absolutely had a plan for you and i and i love that you've gotten he's given that gift of being able to talk to people you've been able to use that in literally every aspect of your life so far and now you're using it for cultural outreach and identity which is which is really awesome and and i'm i'm excited to talk to you about this and have you as part of this team but i'm assuming that it comes with like a lot of challenges but also a lot of rewards because it's not just one culture or identity that we're working with our our catholic community here in the diocese of harrisburg is very vibrant but it's also very diverse can you talk to me a little bit about any challenges that you've seen but then also the rewards that come with it i can't really say i feel a challenge mm -hmm. Because I think we all have the part of challenges, communication. 
So communication, I think that's just in general, not specific to one avenue or another. Right. I mean, I don't know if I make myself clear, but the communication aspect of the challenges is our Hispanic, if we start with the Hispanic culture, there are many things that our Hispanic culture has done in, in the ministry here at the diocese. I think the challenge is bringing the awareness to what they are. Mm. Or bringing the awareness, do, hey, do we know that this is happening? Um, do we know that there are different celebrations within a culture? Um, but, the, but, but also the challenge of letting everyone know in the diocese that it's been a process for everyone. If you go back as far as immigration and our population growth and the challenges of, you know, the initial, you know, wave of immigrants, whether the Irish, the German, the Italians, you know, the the Eastern, you know, Europeans, the Croatians. It's it's the challenge. So we look at the challenges. Is is I don't know. I, I don't even want to use the word being accepted. It's just the awareness. Hey, do we know we're here? Mm. Do you know that you know we have a little different needs? Um, I, I'd see that as as the challenge, if if we want to use it as a challenge. No, I think I think that's fair to say because it's it's I hate the misconception that like the Catholic Church is just a bunch of old white men, right? When in fact there's you know Vietnamese, there's Hispanic, there's Croatian and Irish and Italian, and they all have these beautiful, vibrant ways of celebrating the mass in their own, or not even just the mass, but the faith in their own way that, that makes it special and unique. Like there's certain celebrations in Hispanic culture that I didn't know about. After college, I lived in Norristown, which is um, Philadelphia diocese. And uh, it's a very uh, heavily Hispanic neighborhood. And I had no idea that the celebration of Our Lady of Guadalupe was such a big deal like there was a parade outside my house with people decorating their cars and it was so beautiful and amazing but i had no idea what's going on and i'm like i should know this i'm catholic you know and it turns out that that's what it was or when we got married there was a quinceanera right before mm -hmm. our our wedding and i was like how did i not know that these existed when in fact it's been going on for for forever and i think it's beautiful and that I think that's fair to say that I think it's just getting the word out there that that we all have this unique and beautiful way of of celebrating the faith. Yeah, it, the ch if you want to use going with the word challenge, you, you know we speak about behind the Guadalupe, and then the other thing is grouping one Hispanic, quote unquote, as one culture. Yes. When even within the Hispanic culture, there's a, a huge variety of cultures because you have your Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Cubans, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Mexicans, Colombians, Peruvians, Chileans. I mean, there's so many. So the challenge, sometimes we look at the challenges as the church, maybe the, the hierarchy of the church, especially here in the United States, understanding the Hispanic culture. But even within the Hispanic culture, there's challenges because, you know, Puerto Ricans might understand the Chilean you know, Catholic celebrations and, you know, this country doesn't understand the other country's celebrations or doesn't take it as serious or doesn't think so. Or even just the nuances in the language, like the language, the language, the music, things. some yeah. of the music is different, but, um, 
you talk about the celebrations of Virgen Guadalupe, and then, you know, Puerto Rico's a Virgen de Providencia in November, you know, which is highly celebrated. Now, you might see that more like in New York City and Philly and New Jersey and some of the parishes here in the Diocese of Harrisburg celebrate it. It's just not known. Right. Because the one we know is Our Lady of Guadalupe. But, you know, even this past weekend, it was awesome. We were at, um, and I know it wasn't just at St. Mary's of York, because I know Juan Bautista had a huge celebration with Virgen de Alta Gracia, the, the Dominicans, you know, patron mother, you know, mother of Virgen de Alta Gracia. And I'm sure other parishes probably had huge celebrations as well. We had a huge celebration at St. Mary's of York. And, and the joy in the people's faces that Bishop Sr. was present, that we were present, that a, a big deal was made out of it. And it wasn't so much, it, and, and, and the thing with that is, it's not that a big deal was made out of it. It was that awareness was made aware. It was made out of it. Right. Hey, do we know that this is going on at St. Mary's of York this weekend? Oh, let me see. Let's go and see what this is about. So the awareness is the challenge. And, and 15 counties, you know, 88 parishes, you know, so it is a challenge to bring the awareness to all that's going on, not just in the Hispanic culture, but the, you know, talk about St. Joseph's, you know, St. Joseph's in Lancaster, you know, they have their German fest, they have their German culture, and they, they celebrate, you know, different masses as well, you know, um, it's just bringing awareness to that. Absolutely. So I want to address the elephant in the room, which is racism because especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters who may look different than us um or even those of different nationalities you know my husband is hispanic and he's he's told me that he feels like unless he's wearing his military attire that he feels out of place in central pa especially where we live because there aren't very many who look or sound like him and i was taught that racism goes against everything I know as a Catholic, that all human beings are made in God's image and likeness. But not everyone might be aware of that, or it also doesn't necessarily alleviate my husband or my neighbor's uncomfortable feelings of alienation or discrimination. So my question is twofold. Is this something that you've encountered in your ministry of addressing that outsider feeling? And how can those of us who haven't experienced that feeling of alienation Walk with those who do. So being Puerto Rican, I've had my challenges as well, even in the faith, especially growing up in the schools, uh, even the Catholic schools can be challenging. I mean, I've learned of being prejudiced, you know, in, in, in the schools, which totally surprised me. You don't get it in elementary school, you know, but then I, I did experience it uh, later on. At that point, I wasn't thinking, well, this is a Catholic school. I shouldn't feel that. I, w- I, w- I didn't think that at all because... Even in my elementary school, you know, if you want to talk about bullying, you know, I was bullying uh, by different races, you know, and, and that was just the case, you know, from, um, so I've, I've experienced this, I've experienced that. But racism to me, is it's a really harsh word. It's like a hate word. I think we tend to favor our own, not in a negative way towards others, as much as we just, you know. Aim for that community. Aim like, for the community, yeah. even the community. So Anglos aim for the Anglo community. You know, um, the Italians, you know, Germans, Irish, you know, you tend, you, you go to that community. 
um, Hispanics are going to tend to go to that community. African Americans are going to tend to their community. So um, not anything against the other race, just a pool to their own. Okay. You know, racist, racist being, uh, you know, that's a hate word to me. That's, that's, that's a hate word. That's just a tough word to use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're entering into Black Catholic Month here, you know, Black History Month here in February. And recently, you know, I was hearing stories about Augustus Tolton. And Augustus Tolton, you know, Venerable Augustus Tolton, hopefully we'll be into sainthood. Pope Francis assigned him as Venerable, I think in 2019. You know, he was born into slavery, you know, was freed as a slave, wanted to go to seminary for the priesthood. No seminaries would take him in the United States. You know, that's racism. You know, that's that's tough. Um, he went to to um, Rome, you know, to the seminary in Rome, became a priest, was ordained a priest in Rome at the age of 31. And he was hoping to go to Africa, you know, as a missionary and all that. Well, he was sent to New York City, was there for like a year. And where did he get sent back to? Well, he got back, sent back to the hometown where he was a slave at. Mm. Not accepted very well. Yes, you can minister, Father Tolton, if he if he was even you know Father Tolton, to the black community. First African American president. Yes, you can minister to the black community. You know, goes to Illinois. Yeah, you just can minister to the black community. Now he was a great preacher, and, and people would go to him, both of all races, Anglo's, you know, African Americans. That that that's the tough thing. If you're limited to who you can minister to, you know, that's that's racist, you know. I've had the, the, the privilege as Hispanic to be a director of religious said at a Hispanic parish and German parish and went well, very supportive, you know, and, and that's I think I think the limitations of of who people can preach to. You know, it's kind of sad. You know, if it happens out there, you know, it, it may, or that would be the 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 may happen still. Uh, or or population is growing. You know, both the Hispanic population is growing. The uh, African immigrant, you know, the Swahili part of the language, you know, that part's growing. So the challenging part is who can people minister to, and when we limit on who can minister to who then everyone's losing out. And and that includes, uh, like right now, come February 11th, we're celebrating the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass at St. Joseph's of York, um, Kingston Road. Uh, Father Saad's the pastor there. And um, it's a beautiful event. We were there last year, and people got to see the parishioners, got to see you know, a different type of celebration. And they loved it. If If... if would they have gone on their own? I don't know. You know, if, if we said, hey, we're going to have that mass for the Black Catholic Apostolate on a Sunday evening or Saturday morning, you know, off time of regular parish, will people be exposed to it? And I think that the challenge for people to understand the different cultures, the different celebrations, and the challenges of ministering is just that exposure to even see what it is. You know, and I think as long as we... If we keep if we limit ourselves, then we're missing out because then you just have misconceptions. I was blessed 
I go back to being director of religious ed at St. Joseph's in San Juan. I was blessed. I would go to St. Joseph's and hear the beautiful choir. European, Gregorian, the chanting. Beautiful. I love that. And then an hour later, I'm a someone Bautista, and now we have the guitars and the bongos and the weedos, and we have all the, you know, the cowbell. If you want to put the cowbell there. <laughs> you know, we all have all that. And you get to celebrate it all. It's not limited. Our Catholic culture is a, you know, we always say it. We always say it. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And I just think we just need to live that part of the, the one and the holy and the apostolic. Apostolic is like, you know, you know, from the roots of the apostles, one church, all cultures, you know, all cultures. I love going to the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass and living that culture. I love going to, you know, the Gregorian chant. I love that. We were just, just like I mentioned previously, we were this Sunday at Virgen de Altagracia for the Dominican, um, uh, um, St. Mary's for the Virgen de Altagracia celebrate you know mass celebration and i love the music you know it's just it's a different vibe you know not one community supersedes any other community and i think people just need to experience it all not that i'm going to do it every week you know or not that you're committing to you know that well i'm going to change my ways i'm just going to go to hispanic mass and i'm not going to any other mass not that just a well let me see what it's about let me see it's going to be uncomfortable it may be but you're going to see the prayers, the collect is the same, the glory is the same, the holy is the same, and most importantly, the Eucharist is one. So I just think it's just, uh, the challenge is to get people just to, hey, just just go and, and just, just experience it, you know, because you're not going to miss out. Why? Because it all comes down, back down to the body of Christ. You're not going to miss out. I love that. And that's, that's actually like a good call, especially for those who like, maybe, I hate to say bored with whatever mass <laughs> they're going to, but like, if you want something different, then like there's, there are other options like the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass or, you know, Hispanic churches or German churches or, you know, they're, you're, you're not limited to like the same church over and over again, if you're not finding fulfillment there. So I think that, I think that that's awesome. The initiative of the church as far as, far as the culture, mm-hmm. you know, and outreach. But if we talk, sticking with the culture, like I had mentioned before, you know, we're we're a country of um, of immigrants. And, and the church always is here to serve who? Well, the people. So as the people come, the church adapts. It always has. Again, I, I, I'll repeat it again. <laughs> I know I said it. I know I was at, at, lived in Lancaster. You know, well, I still live in Lancaster. You could just see, if you just look at the churches on how they were built, you know, St. Mary's, you know, was built for that community, you know, for that community. And then um, St. Joseph's was built for that community. And then St. Anthony's was built for that, you know, for another community. And then Sacred Heart was built for another community. And then this, the community at Sacred Heart grew. Then St. Leo's was, um, we have St. Anne's, maybe St. Anne's was before that, but yet St. Anne's and then St. Leo's. Because why? Because the church always adapts to the community and the population, you know, and to serve the people. So it's, it's been like that since forever. For the Hispanic community, you know, if people, you know, as far as the Hispanic ministry, 
you know, looking back, it was like 1944. It says Bishop Leach officially appointed the first priest, you know, to oversee the spiritual care of the, of the migrant workers. So, you know, it didn't start in 1980, 1987. You know, it's a process. And, you know, same thing with the Italians. The Italians, you know, it, it, the Vietnamese community, Korean community, the African-American community. So it's a challenge, and, it, and it's a process. And, and it's, it's been since the, for the Hispanic culture, since the early 40s. And I had no idea that it dated that far back. Yeah, yeah. So it's dated that far back, and as the need, talking to the Hispanic cultures, the needs grew in 1980, 1987, 1980. And then we got some about thesis building, then it became a parish, you know, to serve the communities. Um, so it's a process, and, yeah. it, and, it's, and it's ongoing. Yeah, because I think, wasn't it just last year or the year before that um, one of the Vietnamese parishes, Our Lady of Levang, received like the official title yeah. of of Our Lady of Levang, which I think is is awesome. And it speaks volumes to, the like you said, the need and how these parishes were formed based on the needs of the community. So I think that that speaks to what a melting pot we are, even just in the Diocese of Harrisburg. It's just it's out there. And it's not just because society is saying we need to diversify. They're like, well, we've actually been doing it for a while. It's just now it's getting the awareness out there that, that these resources are there. Correct. And it's just it's, it, it just grows. The Filipino community, for mm-hmm. example, last year, last May, you know, they celebrated one of their motherland celebrations, you know, the Santa Cruz, you know, their lady. And then they do a, a procession. And went to St. You know, to celebrate St. Patrick Carlisle, you know, for the first time. So every community has their special devotion, their special celebration. Now, they had it last May. How many people are aware of it? Exactly. You know, it's not that it didn't happen. These things happen in communities, and um, so the awareness part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit, but what are some of the beautiful and unique characteristics of our cultural diversity within the diocese and how do they work together as a full body of Christ? Like, is there any kind of overlap between communities that you've seen? As far as the overlap of uh, communities, if you look at, I'm going to stick again with the Hispanic culture and movements, mm-hmm. just for, as an example. So our Hispanic culture has different, well, not just our Hispanic culture, just in the church in general, whether it's cursigistas or uh, charismatic groups. Uh, and in the Hispanic culture, there's one called Juan 23 movement, John 23 movement. So he has those those communities as well. Uh, prayer groups, church prayer groups, Legion of Mary, Knights of Columbus. Yeah, they're growing. One of my goals is to is to have, especially in the Hispanic aspect of it, is to have these groups, you know, give a hand to other groups as best as possible. So, for example, the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass is coming up February 11th. It's a small community, you know, and, and I, I know they've struggled a little bit to, to get things going because some of the leaders that they've had previously, you know, they're, you know, they're, um, some of them have passed away. They're just not there. The lead, the lead, some of the leads that were there that know the roots of the of the f- community um, are not around. You don't know. So the African community, 
their committee is growing. Like I said, it's growing, but they still need help. So on February 11th, for example, is the Black Catholic Apostolate Mass. Last year was the first one that I was able to attend. And I saw there was a need, like in the reception area. Our Hispanic Charismatic group is pretty well formed. I'm, <laughs> they're pretty impressive. <laughs> they're pretty impressive on how they, they work. And I'm thinking, man, I could use that group can help this other group. You know, this Hispanic uh, Charismatic group have a, you know, they, they work in teams and they have a team. And I was like, that, that team can help the Black Catholic Apostolate in their reception so people can enjoy, you know, and um, the Mass. They're not so worried about other things. So I think that's just a brief example how one ministry can help the other, you know, and I think being supportive uh, of one another. And I'm sure it probably happens at other parishes. People might be listening and say, oh, we do that at our parish. So it's just bringing more of awareness to that. Um, so I would like to see that. I would like to see, I think some of our groups do very, I think all our groups do very well in, in, in forming within a group. Like a deacon, I'll go back like to, I'll go back to as, as far as me, me being the deacon. Our deacon class is in, we had a, a camaraderie that is unexplainable. It's a brotherhood. You know, it's a, and not just a brotherhood, it's just a family because even the wives were involved in our formation together, right? But we weren't, we didn't become deacons just to be around deacons. We didn't become deacons just so we can have our gatherings, which we are going to have one this Friday <laughs> for our deanery, but not just to be deacons. We, you know, it's to serve the other people. I like to bring that mindset to, to all the groups, you know, especially again, I'll, I'll stick with the Hispanic groups here, but this goes for everyone as well. Okay. We're forming, you know, the, the, the prayer group, let's say the prayer group at our parish is to grow and then have at least one mission in mind that you, what's your mission of service? You know, if you have your crucigistas and we, you know, we do great. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Okay, what's your mission then of service outside of the that group? You know, Juan Benditre movement, great movement, you know, uh, very charismatic, very formative, very evangelization for what? For mission. You know, everything should be looking for mission. Even if you look at the synodal process with Pope Francis and gathering information and communion, well, it ends with mission is not to... So I think that's a challenge. That's what I like to see in all groups. I love that that the that the Hispanic community is helping out with the Black Catholic Apostolate, so that, like you said, it's it's we're one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. We're not separating out the groups of like you guys do it your way, you guys do it your way, and then like eventually we'll come together. No, you're, it's, we're we're working together for the end goal of celebrating the Holy Mass and, and the Eucharist and, and just growing closer to Christ. And it's just bringing our heritage with us. I think that that's, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a grace, right? We all have graces. We have to share that grace. Yes. Or we have to, you know, when we get a gift, it's like giving a gift, you know, for Christmas. I tell people like God given a gift. And people go, what? You know, God wants you to know that he gave you a gift. Because it makes him joyous when you know that he accepted it 
and that you opened it. It's the same thing with every one of us. Every one of us, if we have a grace and we have a gift, well, what's the joy of keeping that to ourselves? You know, it's a joy when we see other people enjoy it or other people get to experience it. Oh, you're experiencing what I experienced. You know, like a roller coaster ride. Roller coaster ride is great, but it's so much fun when you have someone else sitting next to you. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Way more fun when you guys can <laughs> scream together. <laughs> when you can scream together. Well, you know, I and it, and it goes with many other experiences, but I would, I would just refer to this just this past Sunday, you know, to see the joy in people's faces. They would have had that joy whether they are not. But just being, you know, with however big, you know, Bishop being there, you know, and Deacon Armand, just more people there. But I'm sure that brought joy to them that, like, I mean, we're sharing this, you know. So, um, so there's a joy for us to share in our mission as, as as clergy, right? But there's a joy, I think, in other other all these other little ministries, laity ministries, to sh- to share with others, you know, what they have. And then that makes you stronger. I mean, it's just going to make you stronger. Absolutely. There's no other way. There's no and, and more joyous, and there's just no other way to, to, to go. You know, if you share, you know, and if you let other people experience and things like that, without worrying about, oh, what am I going to lose? You're not going to lose anything. <laughs> You're not going to lose anything. It's just going to strengthen what you have. Yeah. I love that. We've talked about like heritage identity. What other ministries do we offer for those who may feel like they don't fit in with the Catholic Church? How are we working to honor their dignity as, as full human beings and children of God? The church looks to serve, serve us all. Okay. The church does a great job in this sense, in that we, we're here to serve all, whether Hispanic, Black, German, Croatian, Lithuanian, Africans, women men lgbtq plus to serve all in a in a whether you're living sinful you're living this the church looks to pass be pastoral to everyone if if we look at what the church guidance is now when we look at the church who's the church the people the people of the church me you the laity all of us and then our responsibility is to be as pastoral, to minister to all as the church guides us to do. Within that could be correction, you know, correcting people and guiding. Not the easy things to do. And it could be the joyous thing to do. Acceptance and, and um, formation and baptism and sacramental life and but the church looks to serve all in our experiences. Here at the diocese, if we're talking about the LGBTQ plus community, you know, that's a tough, tough subject. I don't think anyone can deny that, fortunate or unfortunate. It's just tough because people may be struggling. And, and how do you speak with them? What the terminologies is another hard one. You know, what terms do I use that might not be offensive? even though I'm trying to minister to someone. But we have to minister to all. You know, that we, we have to minister to all in a, in a pastoral way. The diocese has two ministries. One we're going to be introducing very 
soon and very soon. But the one is Courage, Courage Ministry. It's it's in the, it's in our website. It's to serve the LGBTQ plus community in a pastoral way. So they have, you know, their. So that group has someone to, to minister, to talk to, for guidance, to open up even more, you know, have that space. Uh, within that courage ministry, there's encourage, which is help the, the family members that may be looking for guidance. And hey, my son, you know, is having LGBTQ experiences. How how am I supposed to be? In, you know, they might be hurting, or they might not know how to address things. Or, you know, son or daughter that might, you know, LGBTQ plus. So it's courage ministry and encourage ministry. So we have that. We've had that for at least 10 years. At least 10 years of the diocese. Going back to what we spoke at the beginning, how many people know that in the diocese that we have this ministry because of the awareness of it. So it's not that the church is not trying to help people or have a place for people to have um, a pastoral uh, guidance. So we have that. And then there's the Eden, Eden invitation is going to be new. It's going to be uh, advertised here very soon, but we've already, we've spoken about it already. And Eden invitation is another one, LGBTQ plus for people to find this, like their community that want to live a Catholic way of life. They know that they know they need to reach out to someone. They might not reach out to me, and I might not even know exactly what to to say to people, you know. But it's past that identity because we're all a person. And if we go to address the person, to to address the dignity of the person, um, yeah, I can do that, you know. But if there's other questions, deeper questions that I might not be able to address or help them with, Eat Invitation is more of a peer-to-peer ministry. It's a different approached and courage, but we're, we're really looking forward to to promoting that very, very soon. That's really exciting because I feel uh, I feel like one of the biggest misconceptions of the church is that we are like very closed and that you have to be perfect before you can even walk into a church when really the church is more like a hospital yeah. where we can come to experience healing from from anything in life. Yeah. And I think for me, if I if I speak, let's, let's say I speak for myself. It's to be non, we can't, we're not judgmental. We can't be, you know, everyone, people that come to a church, even if we recognize someone, I mean, let's be, let's be honest here. We may know someone that comes to the church and we know they've had challenges, whatever they may be, you know, whatever they may be. Well, we don't know, you know, what they're going through. We don't know what they're praying about. We don't know what they ask our Lord that morning. We don't know. We don't know. You know, our, our what we do know, there's always hope. And we're praying that that person knows they have hope and that, they, that they're welcome and that we're with them in the challenges. And, and I, I, you know, I can tell you from experience, you know, I, when I see someone that's been going through challenges and they're at the church this Sunday, I pray, you know what I pray? Man, I hope they're here, that we don't, that they're here next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're here the following Sunday. You know, it's their journey. We're help, here to help them as a community. I love that. I love that we're never, we're never truly alone, and I think that that's, I think that that's beautiful. So thank you, Deacon Armando, for spending so much time with me and and talking about all the different beautiful aspects of the church and the resources that we offer. And 
hopefully this helps get the word out a little bit more so that people are more aware of the amazing opportunities that there are to celebrate mass. I think that that's fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. It was great being here. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash D-A-C and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.